the only podcast that never misses the trailers at the start of the film. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. A childhood hero in a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Do you consider yourself a hero? Hero is a four-letter word. What matters is what we do with it. Gut-wrenching legal drama in Just Mercy. You don't know what it is down here. They ain't got to have no evidence. How many of you all were with Walter that morning? This is my dad, sir. This is my family, sir, you! Your life is still meaningful, and I'm gonna do everything possible to keep them from taking it. Fresh comedy in Like a Boss. Think about all the stuff we've done and wonder how we did not die. Oh, no! Is that a real hair? It's, it's a cultural thing. We are two badass queens like those bitches who raised Wonder Woman. We've worked our asses off. We've opened up our own store. We're winning. We're $493,000 in debt. What the fuck? Those peppers, they are very spicy. Just a little sliver goes a long way. Your peppers are really hot. Goat's milk soda, coat the throat. It's going down for real. And heart pounding thrills in underwater. When you're underwater for months at a time, things will happen that will make you feel powerless. Run, come on! Run! Run! <sighs> That's this week on The Cinema. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hi. And Dan Miranda. Hello. Now, your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on, but first. Hello, neighbor. We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Like what? We have to let people know each one of them is precious. Tom Hanks was once voted one of the most trusted actors in all of Hollywood by Forbes magazine. Aww. This might be why he was one of the only people in the world who could play a beloved U.S. children's TV host Fred Rogers in real life. But given that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is not the cultural touchstone here in Australia that it is overseas, does the movie still work? You know, it's interesting you say that, Cambo, because prior to seeing this film, I actually remember seeing a documentary from last year called Won't You Be, Won't my, you neighbor? be my Neighbor, which is has won countless awards. Mm. So I went into this film knowing who Fred Rogers was and I have to say I wasn't disappointed. Now, the the premise of this film is about a journalist, Lloyd Vogel, played by Matthew Reese, who was given the task to interview the famed children's entertainer on what it means to be a hero. And whilst he struggles with his own trauma, he finds a way through his meetings through Mr Rogers uh, to see the world in a less cynical way. And a, uh, the film plays out almost like an extended episode of the, the famed TV show. It's a very wholesome, wholesome movie. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of about the burden of carrying other people's traumas and things like that. Uh, it could lean into the kind of the hackneyed and the cliche. But I think for the most part, I think the message of the film is really wonderful. Well, which isn't surprising given that that was Fred Rogers' whole MO, you know, is acceptance and understanding and, and learning and growing from things like that. And you're right, the, the ethos of the show itself is very much like, like knitted throughout the whole film. For sure. And I think what really took me by surprise was that 
it was less about Fred Rogers and more about the story of uh, Lloyd and his father and it really became a story of father and son and reconciliation and that sort of took me by surprise. Yeah, I don't know if that's too clear but I expected a bit of a biopic about Mm. Rogers and it's not. It's about I guess a biopic of his emotion and how it affected people in America in their childhood because it ran from 1968 till 2001. Mm. So it has reached a lot of people. And how he became so famous is that he really decided to tackle things that no other kids show was doing and really look at things that children were dealing with on a day-to-day basis and how to deal with those problems like death, serious things, um, that it's okay to be sad and how to deal with your emotions. So a lot of people and some of the characters in the film as well have this nostalgia for him and they're like, don't ruin my childhood (laughs) because Lloyd Vogel has a reputation as a journalist of bringing people down that he interviews. So he goes into his story with the preconception that, oh, well, Mr. Rogers must be lying about how such a nice guy he is. There must be some seedy underbelly. And so he's come in with this idea that he's going to find the real Mr. Rogers and it kind of turns the tables on him and Mr. Rogers is more interested in talking to Lloyd than Lloyd is interviewing Mr. Rogers and they form a friendship which is a real life friendship that lasted until Mr. Rogers died. Yeah, it's quite beautiful. It's like, as you say, Vira, it's very cathartic for, Mm. I'm sure, Lloyd but also for Mr. Rogers, played by Tom. Mm. And I think they say in the film he's, he's almost like a saint so he's on this pedestal that everyone, you know, looks up to, but he doesn't see himself that way. I think so. Th- this is how I kind of break the movie down. Basically, is uh, I think the, the the recreations of all the Mister Rogers neighborhood stuff is really good, and Tom Hanks is so good as Fred Rogers. But what the movie essentially is is I think mm. it's a pretty standard kitchen sink drama daddy issue movie. <laughs> no real frills, but then it's it's kind of tail ended and put in the box of a Mr. Rogers movie yeah. that kind of elevates the more standard generic mm. parts of yeah. the movie into something slightly better than that. It was actually my criticism of the film, which is I think an unpopular opinion because everybody I saw it with mm. loved it. But I am of the opinion that if someone has abused you in your life, which for this character, Lloyd Vogel, his father is a bit of a deadbeat dad. They do not have a very good relationship at all and we see they get quite physical with each other in one scene and Lloyd doesn't want anything to do with his father but then through his interactions with Mr Rogers comes to understand more how to be empathetic and and forgiveness and, and all these nice qualities. But I don't think you should forgive people who have been bad in your life. So even though Mr Rogers is this very wholesome, nice, wonderful guy and he has really good messages, sometimes there are things as an adult I don't think you need to like face again, I guess. Like you can heal yourself just as well by moving on. And I also want to know, what did everyone think of the performances? Because it's a very, like, it's essentially just a series of performances. There's no action sequences. Mm. There's nothing like that. It's completely, you know, uh, actor on actor, emotion on emotion kind of scene. How did you think they landed? I really thought Chris Cooper as Lloyd's father really sold it. Like, you could see elements, I think, of someone in all of our lives that, you know, has played that part, is an alcoholic, bit of a downbeat yeah but he does have redeeming qualities because he does show up later in the the story and he's he's trying 
to what the best of his ability and you sort of I think he did a good job. Too little, too late. Too little, too late. <laughs> I agree with you though, Vairi, about that. I think everyone will be talking about Tom Hanks's performance. He's got a history of working um, on stories that have real life characters. I think this is his eighth Wow. Yeah, and in this fact, is his eighth funny film? story about this movie is before this movie, he had said to his agent, I don't want to play any more yeah. real people mm. anymore. He didn't want to do this. And the director essentially had to like kind of. They met years ago at a birthday party. Oh, And it right. was through this relationship that she could then go to him and be like, hey, I'm on this movie. Yeah. Do you want hey, to be in yeah. it? I know you just said that you don't want to do this, <laughs> but just one more movie. Yeah. But then apparently he was won over by the script. But it's funny. You look yeah. at the, the characters, the real life characters that yeah. he plays, and they're always like, it's like Cap- Captain Sully. They're like heroes here. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you could really see Tom Hanks as, as someone, a bad person. As a bad, he's got this like every man dad appeal to him yeah. that he plays these people that are like everyday. He's heroes. played Walt Disney for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think most especially in this film, above all of the other performances he's had, this one has been the most different. He's really embodied the Mr. Rogers person and character as well. And just his mannerisms, the way he holds himself, the way he talks is completely different to anything he's done. So it really feels like he is playing a role. Whereas I think in the other ones, even like Sully and, you know, Castaway, it just seems like it's Tom Hanks in a movie Mm. rather than him acting. So who do you think should see A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood? So I think this film will appeal to many people, even if you are unfamiliar with Fred Rogers. It is, as I said before, a story of reconciliation with themes of forgiveness, love, grief and hope. There are some very whimsical scenes like they will pan over the city of Pittsburgh, but it's in the style of the original TV yeah, show yeah. where it's all models and cars. <laughs> and so I yeah, think very cute. Yeah, I think this will appeal to most people who um, enjoy a good I won't. I won't say biopic, but enjoy a good yeah. a, a good story with some essence of truth in it. A little bit of sap, a bit of sap. Yeah. So for cynical people like me, maybe <laughs> wouldn't be a top choice, but it's very heartwarming and there are some very cute moments. It is ordered, adjudged, and decreed that Walter McMillan is to face death by electrocution. This is my dad, sir. Sit down, young man, John. I want you to sit down now. He did nothing wrong. Please, Judge, hold on one second. I won't say it again. Sit down. Not if you're going to kill my dad for no reason. You killing my family, sir, you! Just Mercy seems like a throwback to the kind of hard-hitting legal drama that you just don't see anymore. Is this To Kill a Mockingbird for a New Generation or is the format too outdated to still work? This is definitely... To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> it is practically the same story um, set in the same town. Yeah. Um, and we were just talking about Mr. Rogers and he's a bit of a hero for children and adults. And this story, we have a hero for equal rights. And it's about the world-renowned civil rights defence attorney, Brian Stevenson. And in this story, we see him as a young man. He's just starting out in his practice and he's moved to the Deep South and he's working to free wrongly condemned death row prisoners. So this movie, I mean, I said it a little bit in the intro, but it feels like a throwback kind of a movie where, uh, especially in the 50s, there was a big, uh, like, Spirit of 12 Angry Men, movies like this that are like courtroom dramas, and it's all about the thrill yeah. of what's the prosecution got, what's the defense got, and it's kind of like a cat and a mouse game. Mm. Would you say that that kind of thing still applies to this or has it evolved a little beyond that? So it's definitely got elements of that in it. 
but it's not the whole story. There's a lot of scenes where we see Michael B. Jordan's character, Brian, as the lawyer in prison talking with his clients and then there's a lot of scenes between the prisoners themselves so we really get to know the characters and what they're going through and then also scenes um, of him at home and he's getting death threats there. He can't even find an office because no one in the community wants to support him because he's trying to free murderers. And now you've mentioned Michael B. Jordan just there, and this has a pretty heavy-hitting cast. Uh, yes. Dan, you want to run us through some of the people? Yeah, so we this? do have Jamie Foxx also playing Walter McMillan, the Academy accused. Award winner. Academy Award Sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> and also we do have Brie Larson. Academy Award winner. Oh. <laughs> Academy Award winner Brie Larson as Eva Ansley, who actually tracks down Michael B. Jordan's character because she wants to set up an organisation to help all these wrongfully accused people. Um, and it's known... It's a real place. It's known as the Equal Justice Initiative. And so their purpose is, I quote, ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the US to challenge racial and economic injustice and to protect basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. Yeah, and this was set in the late 80s. I think it was 87 Mm. when Jamie Foxx's character gets arrested and... He's accused of a murder that he can't possibly have committed because he was with his whole family at a barbecue at the time and his whole case rests on this one white guy who is also a felon (laughs) and his testimony that he saw the whole thing happen. So obviously it's very tenuous. It's very based on racial discrimination, Mm -hmm. especially at that time in the deep south of America. So we've got a lot of elements um, working against them and I don't know if they've probably not seen a black lawyer as well. For Michael B. Jordan's character, it's very difficult. But he's also a Harvard graduate, which I think must be mind-boggling for him too. (laughs) Yeah, it rubs up everyone the wrong way. (laughs) I think it says a lot about this movie and the themes that this movie tackles. The the fact that uh, this was produced by Michael B. Jordan and his production company and a few years ago at the real the height of the Me Too movement mm. uh, and Frances McDormand won her Academy Award and she said what people need to consider is inclusion writers. That was her big point in her speech. And Michael B. Jordan's production company was the first one in Hollywood to make it an actual part of their contracts for their movies to have inclusion writers. So the cast, mm. the crew, everyone in this movie is from a completely uh, like diverse a range of backgrounds sure. and I think that that speaks so well to the, the themes that this movie is actually about. So I think everything about the movie is actually structured to be kind of forward moving and forward thinking as possible and I think it really kind of comes through. So who do you think should see Just Mercy? You said last week, Cambo, that you get ready to be angry when you see this film mm-hmm. and I think that that's a perfect uh, portrayal. I wouldn't go in with any preconceived notions of what you should be feeling but I think it's a, it's a really good story with, like you say, so many themes of corruption and racism and redemption and hopefully hope as well. The people that should see this film are people who enjoy an expose. I got so many uh, unusual feelings whilst watching this film and it. I was thinking at times it reminded me of the Netflix documentary Making a Murderer yeah. because it feels like they're trying to pinpoint mm. someone for something that didn't happen. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. if you like those sorts of films or documentaries, you'd, you'll love Just Mercy. Yeah, it gave me feelings of Green Mile, if Bill Street could talk, and if you like social rights films like Fruitvale Station that Michael B. Jordan was also in and The Hate You Give, and be prepared to cry. I cried a few times. Bring some tissues. 
Now, also still in cinemas, Bombshell. The true story of the Fox News scandal. Doolittle. Robert Downey Jr. can talk to animals. Bad Boys for Life. One Last Ride. And Go. An Australian family fun film about go-karts. Yes, you can hear about all of those movies and, in fact, everything that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you'd like. I punched that bitch in the face. I would marry you if I was in the coochie. Ghost peppers, they are very spicy. Just a little sliver goes a long way. Your peppers are really hot. Burn so bad it hurts! Here you go, honey. It's goat's milk, so to coat the throat. It's going down for since her breakout in 2017 and the movie Girls Trip, Tiffany Haddish has become a comedy powerhouse with a string of hit movies under her belt. Is this latest, like a boss, another win for Haddish or has it ended her winning streak? No, this has continued her streak. This is... <laughs> She's so defensive. <laughs> Let me tell you. No, this is a continuation of the Tiffany Haddish train. Her humour is uniquely her mm. and this is... Exactly what you would expect. In fact, I think this could have been titled Girl Strip 2. The premise of this film is about two childhood friends, Mel and Mia, one played by Tiffany Haddish, one played by Rose Byrne, and they're in some financial troubles when their small business uh, makeup company, also named Mel and Mia, goes into some crisis when a company known as Clara Luna, which is also the name of the owner, played by Selma Hayek, swoops in to seemingly help them with their financial troubles. I, I think it's fair to say that Selma Hayek seems to be having a good time yes. in this role. It's kind of like a larger-than-life kind of role that she's playing. How do you, how do you find the chemistry oh. between all, all three of the, the leading ladies? Oh, all of them are yeah. hilarious together. It really shows that they're having a lot of fun and can be friends with each other. Yeah. Like, you know, a comedy film is good when the actors are having fun and it's awkward when they're not. And you can really tell, especially really with can, comedy films. You? Yeah. I think Selma Hayek is a caricature of an evil, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Disney character. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you have to take it with a grain of salt because I have heard from some people saying mm. that it's like too over the top, but I actually love that. Yeah, that's no, exactly when you said it was a like a Disney villain, that's when it clicked for me because she <laughs> is totally like that. It is so over the top. Mm. It's a bit of a pantomime of a boss lady and she's got this ridiculously weird orange curly hair (laughs) which they do reference (laughs) and make fun of a couple of times in the film so I was like okay so they are aware it's a very weird shade Mm. of orange but if you think of her like a Disney villain they always have weird hair so that works. So I think it's fair to say that it's not exactly like a boundary pushing comedy or anything (laughs) like that it's uh, it's a standard uh, like formula that being said, you can always kind of rise above anything like that, like cliche, with really compelling, uh, like a tightly written script, good performances. Do you think it rises above that? I think it probably doesn't rise above that. But I I think that the theme of this film is certainly to be true to yourself and not to cover up imperfections because it's a makeup company. And that is not the philosophy of Selma Hayek's business. So that's where all the comedy and all the conflict ensues. It feels like an extended sitcom episode. And for the writer, I think this is her first film, but she's done episodes of like My Name is Earl and New Girl, and it has that sort Mm. of feeling to it as well. And 
yeah, it might be predictable. And there was some questions I had that didn't seem to get answered. (laughs) But, you know, it is, yeah, as you said, Dan, exactly what you Mm. expect it to be. So who do you think should see Like a Boss? I think this film is a little bit like Girls Trip meets Legally Blonde with a little bit of sprinkle of bridesmaids so if you love Mm. those those type of comedies they're not to the caliber of many of those but i i think if you enjoy that and you like a bit of bubblegum, you know junk food for the mind you'll you'll have a good time it's over the top yeah i had a lot of fun with this and i think people may need that right now you're descending seven miles to the bottom of the ocean and the pressure could crush you in an instant see you all in a month Poor Underwater has had a hard time getting to the big screen. It was filmed all the way back in 2017 and the film was somewhat lost in the shuffle when its production company, 20th Century Fox, was purchased by Disney. Is this a hidden gem or was it delayed for a good reason? I don't think the quality is what made it be shuffled around and pushed back. I don't think releasing it any earlier or any later would have changed its reception uh, or how you feel about it. Again, this isn't a sort of revolutionary film. It's kind of a what you see is what you get. There's there's not much different about it. But if for people who don't know, it's about a crew of aquatic researchers and they are, what, seven to ten miles yeah. down inside the Mariana Trench classic. And a giant earthquake or what we think is an earthquake devastates their research lab and only a few of them get out and they have to reach a different lab like a mile through the ocean in these suits um, and they have to reach there to try and get escape pods to get out. Kind of sounds like the Meg cross gravity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I got gravity vibes. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much any like shark movie like 47 metres down where they were also stuck underwater Mm -hmm. and had to escape. So it's got a couple of things going for me that I really like. I love a movie about can, like that's really confined and yes. they've obviously had to get creative with like yeah. how they've shot it and things like that. I love Case Stew. I think people that listen to this show know that. <laughs> um, and it's a relatively new director. The only thing he's really done before is he directed a movie for the band Angels and Airways of oh. all things. So he's kind of relatively new. Like he hasn't done a whole heap as far as like bigger budget yeah. mainstream Hollywood. And I always think that sometimes you get some really exciting talent, like movies like Don't Breathe and stuff all come from that kind of camp of person. So that is all going for me. That being said, there are like, I mean, we, we talked a lot about cliche this week. Cause yeah. I think the films yeah. all this week yeah. is that the theme is that they've got cliche. And I of think course. this one doesn't escape that. No, definitely. This has, a bunch of them in, in, down to the characters. Um, <laughs> TJ Miller is in yeah. this film. and now, he, That's how you can tell this was filmed in 2017. Because <laughs> yeah, like, TJ oh, Miller yeah. is in this film. Back yeah. before the world at large discovered, oh, he's not a nice guy. <laughs> Here's a question. So this movie, it's supposed to get your heart pounding, right? It's supposed to be yes. a bit of a thriller, a bit of a horror. Did, did it have that effect on you? Did, did, it, did it scare you? Uh, did it make the heart palpitations happen? I think at times it's meant to, but it doesn't. And I think the trouble with that is a bit of pacing and it's because you, you might be, you know, confined in a small space, but then they get relief soon after that. They get in another tight space or a problem and then they get relief from that. So I felt like you're not stuck in that uncomfortable moments for too long and then it, you get relief too quickly. So who do you think should see Underwater? Uh, if you like Alien Life or any of those films where, like you, Cambo, you feel isolated in a place, you need to escape, something's coming to get you, like you say, 47 metres down, you you will enjoy this film. It's not um, a masterpiece and a lot of stuff is recycled, but I think as as far as, like, you know, feeling 
scared and alone and away from society or help, you, this is a good film. It's good. Yeah, I didn't get so much fear out of this one as a horror genre you would expect from, but I had a good time and I think you would probably go for Christian Stewart's role in this as well. That's That's the best part. Now, for your chance to win a Gold Class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question. What's your favourite Tom Hanks film? Big question. Oh, I didn't even mean to say big, but uh, there's so many choices to choose from. Every time you think you've got one, you just remember like Toy Story or Apollo 11. It's going to be hard. Yes, simply leave your answer with the hashtag the Cinema Crew for your chance to win. Next week, it's America to the Rescue in the War again in Midway, a remake of the horror classic The Grudge, uplifting fun in The Peanut Butter Falcon, and the latest from acclaimed director Terrence Malick in A Hidden Life. But until then, thank you, Vari. Thanks. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. My name is Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.